Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Celebrate, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today, I am joined live and in person by actress, rock singer, and co-host of Sportsnet's hometown hockey tour, Tara Sloan. Hey. Tara, I'm so glad you came in. I'm a fan, and I'm absolutely thrilled you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's very cool. So you have had uh, an interesting career trajectory. Mm-hmm. So I know you as the singer of Joy Drop uh, back in the early 90s. And then you did a little bit of acting. You did uh, some movies, stuff like that. You were the host of Breakfast Television in Calgary for probably about five years. Five right? years, yeah, almost exactly. Uh, you're still involved in music. Yep. But uh, you are now the co-host of said hometown hockey show alongside Ron McClain. Yeah. 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 It's weird. (laughs) So I I was going to say, like, how has that whole transition from Joy Drop to to this point been? You know, I think there was some pain involved in kind of leaving the musician lifestyle behind. I'd sort of... You know, a lot of my identity was very wrapped up in being Tara from Joy Drop or Tara the rock singer. Right. Um... So, yeah, Joy Drop broke up officially in 2002. Um, I did some solo stuff. I put out a solo album in 2007, and I yep. was on a show called Rockstar in Excess in 2005. But it was around 2007. You know, I'd been going straight for 10 years trying to make a go of it as a musician and, and you know, to varying degrees of success depending on the year. Mm-hmm. But it just started to feel hard. Like, the business was overtaking the joy. Yeah. And so I figured I would try something new. Um, and because of Rockstar in Excess, TV had started to kind of come to me. I'm taking my bracelets off because they're making too much noise. Um, and I thought I'd make a go of it. And I threw together a, a demo reel with the help of Michael Landsberg, actually, from TSN. Oh, no way. Wow. And I landed my first job. I, I wrote and hosted and produced uh, at Sun TV, which was a very teeny little media outlet before Sun News Network. So they just, I think Sun Media was hanging on to it to try to figure out what to do with it. So it was great. I kind of learned on the job and um, nobody was watching, really. (laughs) And then, yeah, so then I moved to Calgary for five years to do breakfast television and then started getting into the sports uh, world there. And I don't know, some, uh, you know, I took some chances and do such a great job, though. You, you seem so comfortable, and you're, you're, you're a very credible hockey reference. Thank you. Yeah, so it, it completely worked out. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, it, there's a lifelong uh, passion for hockey. Yeah, so. yeah. Were you a hockey fan as a kid, yeah? Yeah, huge. Yeah. yeah. Huge Montreal Canadiens fan. Yeah. Don't don't hold it against me, but, my yeah, my family's from Montreal. I grew up watching with my dad. and Awesome. So I always just kind of enjoyed the world. So I also know you to be a very serious music fan. So you have got uh, a bunch of songs here. We had a difficult time paring this list down. I did. And I have to say, I'm actually, I'm feeling like, you know, I I, I sent that to you. I thought, okay, it's time to sort of just shut it down and make a decision. (laughs) But I sent you my list. And of course, like a million other songs start, you remember. And and I'm feeling, you know, guilt for not including enough Canadians, for not including enough women, (laughs) um, for not including songs from... I think my two favorite bands, which are the Beatles, Beatles and Led and Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin yeah. But that's, I think that's sort of a phenomenon of just, I am so passionate about their bodies of work that, so anyway, so be it. Well, you know, we can always do another episode. <laughs> I think what we'll do is we'll go through all these songs and maybe we'll do a part one, part two. Sure. And then, you know, for the 305 other tunes you have, we'll, <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll do more episodes. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. So the first one, George Michael and Father Figure. 
Yes. Well, so that song was from, uh, I think everybody knows, it was a number one single, and it was from George Michael's first solo album. That was so a crazy run. Faith. I remember he had, how many hit singles from that record? I don't know, 80 million. Yeah. Five, probably? I Four? Think was, well, I think there was like six or seven. Maybe. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was crazy, and Monkey. it was huge. Yeah. Faith itself, yeah. I don't know. There's loads. It was I mean, it's a top to bottom amazing listen. For me, when that came out, um, I was in grade nine. Okay. Uh, so I guess it's 1987. And that song in particular, it kind of, it's all wrapped up in uh, having my first serious boyfriend. Okay. You know, I haven't really dissected the lyrics enough to think, Maybe is that kind of creepy that that's the song that reminds me of him? Because um, there was no father figure. He was in grade nine also. Um, but there's such a potency and an emotion to that to the father figure. Certainly. And so yeah, for me, it's just it's one of those evocative pieces of music. It just brings up this time in my life where I was experiencing love and emotion and heartbreak and yep. you know. So forever, it will be. Yeah, my grade nine love song. And well, and and at that age, you're extremely dialed into all of those things, right? And mm-hmm. music. I've always been fascinated with music being very emblematic and and almost an enabler, mm-hmm. you know, of those times. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the songs on my list are are tied up in moments or yes. or periods of my life. Yeah. And that's why, you know, this is fascinating to me to have these conversations with people because the, you know, the sentiment, the music that makes your skin vibrate, you know, you hear those songs how many decades later and they still kind of tweak you. You still feel that feeling in your torso. You know what I mean? It's like, ooh, it's a special, special thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a different kind of memory for sure. So yes, Halifax, Nova Scotia, Gorsbrook Junior High. That's my song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, the next tune. I'm a huge fan of this guy, David Bowie. An interesting pick, Yeah, Tara. isn't it? So Black Star, tell me about that. Well, I'll tell you why I picked that. And, of course, David Bowie is, I mean, he's one of my favorite artists. Me too. The album Black Star came out um, January 8th, 2016. It was mm-hmm. his 25th full-length LP. Mm-hmm. And came out on his 69th birthday. Mm-hmm. And two days later, David Bowie died. Yes. Um, he's one of my all-time favorite artists for so many reasons, as a songwriter, as an icon, as somebody who completely stood out and did whatever he wanted to do. He was just a fearless performer. I, I mean, I remember when, when Black Star came out, I was so excited because it was a new body of work from Bowie, and it was as brilliant as anything he he's done. You know, yeah, like, yeah. there are just very few periods in his life where he's fallen out of relevance you know yes. from like when earthling came out like working with trent reznor stuff like that he's just yeah. he's so dialed in and i was listening to it i was working um i guess it would have been the third season of hometown hockey mm-hmm. we flew into regina and so i listened to it sort of intensely on my drive to swift current okay um and i was just blown away and i was listening and listening and listening over and over again and then we did our uh, show in Swift Current was a very emotional show because a lot has happened in Swift Current. Mm. Bus crash many mm-hmm. years ago, which now is sort of not eclipsed, but like, you know, four people died. Four of the Swift Current Broncos died in a um, bus crash in the 80s. So we talked a lot about that on the show. We had Sheldon Kennedy on the show. Oh. 
So for people who don't know, Sheldon is a former hockey player who withstood a whole ton of childhood sexual abuse and trauma. So it was a very intense program. And so we were out afterwards, um, you know, eating and having a glass of wine. And I think I was just very raw. And it's when I got a text from my brother saying, oh, my God, Bowie is dead. Oh, my God. And so, I mean, I that's the first time in my life, probably won't be my last, but it's the first time in my life I just lost it when one of my heroes mm-hmm. passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I picked that song because he just it's like his brilliant mind he was sick dying of cancer put out this incredible album with these incredible songs that you know upon his death became all the more meaningful yeah and you know he had he had engineered that it was mm-hmm. it was a goodbye to his fans and, and yeah. just even you know saying that kind of chokes me up a little bit because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a massive massive bowie fan yeah it gives me chills to think about it yeah and, yeah. you know, right to the end, he was he he was still kind of dialed in and in control, oh, you know? Oh, my God. Like, just just a beautiful piece of work, but yeah. made all the more potent by knowing. Yeah. So. And and I don't know if, if you knew, but I don't think anyone, a lot of people didn't know that he was even sick. No, he was very private. I mean, I had heard that he had some health concerns over the years, but mm-hmm. no, I did not know. Yeah. No, no clue. I know. That, that that one, you know, you, you sadly you're seeing these people pass now. Yeah. This one was extremely tough for me. It was by far the hardest one. Yeah. Sobbing. Yeah. Okay. Shall we move on to Jeff Buckley and Hallelujah? <laughs> God, this is so sad. <laughs> Sorry. I'm What's wrong with me? Sad. Um. Well, so Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah. I'm gonna look up the year. So the album Grace. I mean, this is just it's another absolute masterpiece and yes. i think that's when jeff buckley really started coming into the the public eye you know yeah. people started to have an awareness of, of jeff buckley grace came out in 1994 but i just i remember hearing actually i was at the free times cafe yeah in toronto on college street and i was with my friend michael also a musician and they were playing that album and i just i'd heard i'd heard the song before but never like that Mm. and just his raw emotion but like his vocal ability was absolutely astonishing yeah his ability to emote and just what a gorgeous voice he had yeah um and to this day and i love katie lang and damn she should be on my list too um (laughs) i i love her and there are so many beautiful versions of of that song but I don't think any more beautiful than Jeff Buckley's version. And again, tragic figure, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. It's like the sadness in that album sort of was, you know, some prognostication of his future demise. But, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Have you heard the record that he did? And I think someone released it posthumously after he passed away called uh, Sketches for My Sweetheart, The Drunk. It's called. Yes, yes, yes. So there's a song on there called Open Once. And that was my introduction to Jeff Buckley far before I heard his version of Hallelujah. Mm. And it, it literally stopped me in my tracks. You know, you can think over the course of your life, the songs that you hear and they instantly kind of, you know, pull you in. Yeah. And that's one of them. I don't know if you've heard that song. I'm sure I have, but I'd have to go back to it. Yeah, so. his voice, he's just a special guy. His <sighs> voice and just his, his uh, the way that he delivers, you know, the vocal line is just incredible. Yeah. He, yeah. Same here. I heard, I heard it and had to know who it was. Yeah. And it was him. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
and died way too soon again. He, oh. Did he, he, he? He drowned in the Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. And no one knows if he fell off or jumped or it was mm. kind of a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Man. Sir, did I pick anything happier? <laughs> Everybody's dead. Let's cheer up a little bit. <laughs> Is anybody alive that I picked? Uh, yes. The red hot chili peppers are still oh, alive. Oh, good. Knock me down. Good, yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, Knock Me Down was a single from the album's mother album Mother's Milk. Mm-hmm. I was in high school when that came out, Queen Elizabeth High School in Halifax. Yep. I don't know how I first heard it. Presumably, I worked at Sam the Record Man. That was my part-time job during high school. I remember reading about that. Yeah. yeah. I feel so lucky. That's a great gig when yeah. you're that age. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm sure I would have heard it because I liked that album, but I liked their earlier stuff too. But I think that Mother's Milk was my introduction to them. Or maybe I saw it on Much, you know, one or the other, but for sure got to know them a lot through working at Sam's. And for some reason, that song was the subject of a recurring dream of mine. Really? I fell in love with it, you yeah. know, listened to it over and over again. But I can't in my life. Uh, recall it having any other recurring dream but i had a dream about this song and this song the chili peppers were performing at the pub flamingo in halifax so if yeah. anybody was back there in the 80s they know about the flamingo everybody played there i mean like like rio static size mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. tragically hip snfu like that yeah. boot sauce dough boys boot sauce. <laughs> um and so in my dream i was I was singing the backing vocals on that song okay. and it was like such a cathartic dream because wow. there's a really there's a great line that goes ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway it's I didn't do it justice but um, so yeah I used to have that dream all the time and I was madly madly in love with Anthony Keys. Yeah. yeah. so that was the time you know in my dreams we we united on stage <laughs> But it's just, I mean, it's just a killer song. Yeah. And, um, you know, I probably listened to Blood Sugar Sex Magic more as an album top to bottom. Mm-hmm. But Mother's Milk is that was a great the one that got me hooked. Yeah. Wow. Do you still have that dream? <laughs> I haven't in a while, but maybe tonight. Maybe tonight you will. <laughs> See? One of the benefits of coming in and doing the show. <laughs> all right. Your next tune is by the Ramones. They're uh, all practically dead, I think, everybody. They, are, they actually are yeah. all dead. Yeah. Have you ever seen that thing on the internet where it's, it's it's kind of a little bit perverse? They take the album cover and they eliminate the people from <laughs> it who've... No, I don't want to see that. Yeah, no, I know. It's gross. And, and the Ramones, they did it with Buckley, too. Um, it, there's just their shoes or something like no. that. In the, I know. It's terrible. But they're one of the only bands, I think, that I can name that all the members are now deceased. Yeah. yeah. I was lucky enough to see them. I saw them. I was living in Montreal. It must have been 92 or 93, actually. So oh, really? That, that break, so that was pretty cool. Wow. But this song for me, Rock and Roll High School. Yes, love it. Um, so my grandparents lived in Montreal, and I guess I must have been spending part of a summer there, there for some vacation. Mm-hmm. I think I was in grade, it was between grade six and seven for me. Mm-hmm. So I was 11 or turning 12. And I used to go to the local video store at the Cote St. Luke Shopping Center yeah. and, you know, pick pick a movie. I used to love watching James Bond films. Okay. And then I saw this movie called Rock and Roll High School. And, I mean, that movie came out in the, I think, it was late 70s. 1979. Theater. 
Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. I was so totally excited. Yeah. Well, I didn't know who they were. I just saw like the the cover of the VHS and I thought, okay, this looks kind of cool. Yeah. And I watched it and I 100% fell in love with the Ramones. Yeah. They changed my life. I think they really changed really? my I mean, who who's to say, but that just changed the way that I listened to music, you know? Mm-hmm. My I mean, I'd grown up mostly in Nova Scotia to that point. Um, really, all we and I lived in Wolfville, which is you know five thousand people. All mm-hmm. we had was AVR, which was the top forty station. So, you know, my parents are super musical. My dad's a musician, but I didn't. I never heard the Ramones before. Yeah. Where would I've heard the Ramones? So that was just this whole new shift for me. Wow. Where I kind of discovered that world of punk rock, and boy, did I! I loved them. Wow. Yeah. So that was, you know, you think back over the course of your life and those bands that really kind of changed your direction. And the Ramones did that for you, eh? Yep, they wow. totally did. Wow. Yeah, and I went out and I bought Rocket to Russia on vinyl. And boy, did I. Yeah, I was hooked. Yeah. Now, did you follow any other punk bands? Not really. The Ramones there was, are a lot different, I found, right? Yeah, I sort of, I got more sort of new wavy. Actually, so that year I moved to Toronto, so CFNY was really big mm. for me. So there were a lot of... That was the Cure era, and yeah, um, Morrissey. Take the Skinheads Bowling. Mm. What was that book? Uh, Camper Van Be- Beethoven. Yeah. Um, no, I got a little bit sort of into the more like skate punk stuff a little bit later in my life, like Big Drill Car and All and stuff like that. Okay. But I never was super punk. Yeah, no, me either. I didn't really got into it. I was a metal kid. Yeah. When I was young, yeah. Maiden and, and and I mean when I was eight years old Kiss kind of was that band for me that yeah. really kind of changed my life and then as I you know got away from them I got into Motley Crue and bands that brought that visual aspect as well as yeah. the music because like you I grew up in a small town I grew up in a town of like 35 4,000 people and so you need that you know you seek out the stronger sensations probably the same way that you did with the Ramones yeah right? totally yeah I don't know what it was I just like their sort of uniform, their accents, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it was. And, yeah. But their songs, like just like these two and a half minute little masterpieces. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think most of these guys are still alive. Toto. Oh. <laughs> Rosanna is your next song. Well, this one is sort of just, it's a bit of a sentimental pick. So Toto 4, mm-hmm. which came out in 1982, yeah. was the first tape that I bought tape i love it with my own money (laughs) (laughs) so that for sure i would have heard rosanna on avr which is annapolis valley radio yeah they're just i mean they're perfect toto is perfect that's what they're known for their musicianship um their vocals their harmonies like everything is Mm -hmm. just slick produced beautifully Mm -hmm. and i just i remember hearing that song on the radio and, and that that song didn't go number one. Africa did. Yes. But I, I still hold the line. Also, is a killer song for me. But Rosanna is that's always going to be like my grade whatever what I was in grade four. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know "Hold the Line" was a Toto song until much later, just because it's so yeah, kind of, you know it's, it's heavier, but it's just got that heavy kind of yeah. It's a real riff, riff, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's supposed to like Africa. Yeah. Or uh, Rosanna. That's funny. But yeah, they're just like, I don't know, if you could create a computer program and like manufacture pop perfection, it would come out Toto. Yeah. 
Um, Pretenders, your next tune, is Middle of the Road. I love this track. It's great. Good mm-hmm. pick. So this I, I would have heard around the same time in my life, um, like 82, 83. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a few female artists at that time who started to shift my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, Madonna was one of them for sure. Although I didn't really appreciate her music so much back then. Um, Debbie Harry was huge for me. Yes. Pat Benatar was huge, huge for me. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Love is a battlefield. I just really, yeah, that should be on this list too. Wow. See, I'm sneaking other ones in because, <laughs> <laughs> um, Annie Lennox, huge for me. Yeah. Um, but Chrissy Hind, I mean, she's, I still want to be her, you know, yeah. she is like, the coolest woman. Yeah. Yeah. And Pretender songs are just like rockers, but also like pop perfection. Yes. Um, and so this one always stuck with me. And th- I ended up, I actually performed, this was the very first song that I did on Rockstar in Excess. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, I don't know if I... If Chrissy would have thought that I did an okay job, I think I did all right. Yeah, but yeah, it's still it's one of my it's one of my go tos for sure. If I oh, very cool. Yeah, if I want to sit down and play a tune with a friend, that's one of them. But she she's just as a as a role model and and really an icon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was so outnumbered in terms of you know women in rock music yes. back then. Agree. Well, so, women that carried themselves the way she did, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. still, I mean, still listen to rock radio. You know, there's still the ratios pretty pathetic. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. So yeah. she's just she's the queen to me. Yeah. Is she still playing? Yeah. She is. Yeah, she's like in her sixties. And good for her. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um. Another Tara. dead person. Can you guess who? Tom. Yes. Yeah. Wow. You know, I never, looking at this list before, I never really kind of keyed into the fact there's so many deceased. No, people I on didn't it. either. I didn't either. I just thought of the songs. Okay, well. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, it's not my fault. I love this song. It's called Only a Broken mm. Heart. And it kind of reminds me, sadly, of another deceased person, George Harrison. Mm. You think of it, the, the vocal delivery. He's got like almost an effect on his voice. That mm. Think about his solo records. It's very kind of ethereal, mm-hmm. almost the way that he. It's it's not typical Tom Petty, is what I mean. No, it's not. So 1994, Wildflowers. I mean, that's. I think if there's you know one of the Desert Island albums, Wildflowers is for me. Yeah. Um, my dad is a huge Tom Petty fan, mm-hmm. so he is definitely responsible for introducing me to to TP. Yeah. My dad and I saw him together actually at the amphitheater then it was called That's cool. um but when i really listened to it a lot a lot a lot was uh joy drop was on tour with big wreck we did a cross canada tour in 2001 or 2002 cool. and it was just one of the you know you tend to have like thematically some albums of that the tour yes um and that was that was one of them and it was actually cool listening to that a lot with ian thornley because he's such a guitar virtuoso yeah and um, he would talk a lot about the the performances and the sound. Rick Rubin produced it. There's so those guitars sound just incredible. Yeah. A lot of gorgeous twelve strings. The Rickenbacker. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, and 
I mean, every song in that album is amazing to me. Yeah. But this one sort of like what Tom Petty represents is perfection in simplicity. Mm-hmm. Like if I could be any songwriter, it would be him because he really? can encap- encapsulate um, so much emotion into some pretty simple phrases. Mm-hmm. And even musically, you know, he's not like, he's not like the Beach Boys. Like he doesn't, no. there's not a lot of, he doesn't stray into these really crazy chord Just progressions. Chord strumming, yeah. Yeah. And he, ju- but he, he does it. And these songs get you. And this only a broken heart to me, even just that phrase, it's only a broken heart. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I want to well up thinking about it. It's just, it's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is. Such a lovely sentiment, you know? Yeah. It's a very spare, easy song. And I will say that, um, that Ron McLean and I, share a, a deep love for Tom Petty. So oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ron's a huge music fan, so it's, yes. it's nice to be able to... We're going to have to get him on the show. He, he would... Oh, my God. Would he he would it? jump at the chance. Awesome. I guarantee it. Okay, good. Yeah. Let's get him in here. Yeah. Yeah, he's... he's. I would say his music... His love for music is... Uh, it's on par with his hockey addiction. Yeah. yeah. And he's just so um, eloquent. You know, mm-hmm. when he does his intros, he's just so clever, right? He'll sneak in a little line about like the Rio statics or totally you know oh yeah he had it he we did like a Rose Cousins little homage in Edmonton of all places not where she's from but like he's like some Rose Cousin lyrics to sort of poetically kick off the show I know it's unbelievable eh? it's just like a like a musical kind of Wikipedia yeah yeah um, okay, so this is a song that I was not familiar with previously. It's by a band called Mew, mm-hmm. and it's called The Zookeeper's Boy. Yes. Tell me about this. <laughs> well, it's funny because we're at the Spoke Club right now, and there's a meeting of the Danish consulate or something happening in the room next <laughs> yeah. to us. Um, and this is a band from Denmark. Oh. Uh, and I was introduced to them. I, I, I spent a lot of time in Pembroke, Ontario. Mm-hmm working on music with a guy named Jordan Zadorozny, whose song we're going to get to in, in, a, one or, in a couple. Yep. Um, and to me, Jordan is uh, just one of the most brilliant musical minds I've ever encountered. Mm. And so anytime he says, listen, you've got to hear this, I take it very seriously. Yeah. And so he played me this band from Copenhagen named called Mew. They've been around since 1997. They're still making records. Um, this song is the zoo, the zookeeper's boy from the album is called uh, and the glass handed kites okay. and it came out in 2005 and it was just one of those that like stopped my mind mm. um i don't even know how to describe them they are kind of they definitely take a little maybe from the the beach boys style of writing where they might you know there's some tangents you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. which i love yeah um a lot of harmonies, a lot of really dreamy stuff, but then some like pretty good solid rock bass. Okay. And by bass, I don't mean bass guitar. Like just mm. their fundamentals. Like they're a rock band, yeah. but a lot of keyboards. There, you have to listen to them if but, you don't know them. And so I just was like, I just it just blew my mind. I just heard that song. And I was like, holy crap. I love when you hear songs like that that you can't because oftentimes we we lean on these things like crutches. It, it sounds like this mixed with this, right? And I kind of love when you hear music that you can't say that about 
Yeah. I, I don't know what this sounds like, but I love it. You can't. I can't describe I can't. it. I can't. Like the the singer is, he relies on sort of his falsetto a lot, so the kind of upper reaches of his register. Yeah, it's re- they're really different. I think than mm-hmm. what a lot of people listen to. But I'm gonna check them out. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That album and their album Fringers. Fringers. <laughs> Frangers. <laughs> what is, how do you spell that? F R E N G E R S. Oh, Frangers. Frangers. Yeah. Is that like a real word? Or I is don't that... know. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm telling you, like, they're listening with headphones on or through a really good pair of speakers. Okay. Frangers. Frangers. And also one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Ah. Saw them at the Mod Club. Really? And it was, I was transported. Isn't that great when, you know, you love the band and then you see them live and they're even better than you thought? Yeah. Ridiculous. So I have a question for you. Have you heard of Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown? I don't think so. Nashville band. Like just a a great rock band. And so the reason why I'm saying this, Tara, is because um, I love the record. I love the band. But I saw them live at Lee's Palace two nights ago. Mm. And they blew the roof off the place. They were incredible. Don't you love that? Oh. I had no idea. Like, I, th- I knew they were going to be, I assumed they would be good. Tyler but, Bryant and the Shakedown? Yeah. Look them up. I'll write it down. I'll send it to you. Okay, thanks. They're incredible. Like, incredible band. You have to, and, and great guys that hang around, we chatted with them. Fantastic. Anyway, I love when that happens, because yeah. I was so pleasantly surprised that they were ten times more amazing than I thought they were going to be. The first time I ever thought that I underpaid for a, a t- Ooh. Right? That's great. Yeah, when does that ever happen? That's awesome. <laughs> Anyway, uh, back to your list. So another one that I've not heard of, uh, Lalo, two out of three is the song. <laughs> okay, so yeah, now we're starting to get into like my circle of people. Yeah. Lalo is, well, it's sort of the nickname for Lejlo Honolo, Tony Rabalau. Most oh. people know him as Tony Rabalau, and Tony yeah. is the drummer from Joy Drop. Oh, okay. So, cool. but his first name, he's South African. So his first name is Lechlo Honolo. Oh. Um, and uh, I know I always took great pride in the fact that I could say that. I was going to say. You know, Tony, one of the, the masterminds behind Joy Drop and um, wrote a lot of the Joy Drop songs, including Beautiful, which was our first single. Okay. Uh, just a super masterful songwriter. I mean, it's not, he is not at all all a household name he's just wrapped up his second solo album so that was from 2007 so you know now he's got a second one coming out 10 years later so he's not he's not somebody that you know people know so much beyond our circles but he is one gifted songwriter Mm. i just never cease to be amazed by him so it is you know stuff's up on itunes and spotify and you can hear it um, and this is just one of those songs, two out of three, where he's got like this, he has a rhythmic sense, go figure, he's a drummer. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, he's got some jazz training. He's just got, he writes in a way that I wish I could, but I don't know how. Mm. Like his aesthetic is just different than mine, the way that he finds chords and rhythms and um, the way that he, you know, rhythmically does his his lyrics too. It's just, it's almost like i I, f- I felt this way. I saw Todd Rundgren last week, and I thought, I wish my mind worked this way. Yeah, and yeah. so that's how I feel about Tony Lalo. Is like I wish my mind worked that way mm-hmm. to write songs like this. Mm-hmm. It's just killer. It's a gift for sure. Yeah. yeah. So 
I picked this one because uh, it's one of my favorites from that album, and I want people to know about them. Mm. Well, good. Now yeah. they will. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to check it out, too. <laughs> good. So your next song is something that I absolutely love. I love this band, and I didn't know they're from where they're from, and it makes sense that they're on your list. They're Blinker the Star, and the song is called Below the Sliding Doors. Mm -hmm. Love it. So Blinker the Star is actually Jordan Zadorosny. Mm -hmm. So Jordan Zadorosny is from Pembroke, Ontario. He produced my solo album, so he and I co-wrote and, and he produced um, my solo album, which was called Just Look Pretty and Sing. Um, and I had heard of Jordan. He's been doing music for so long. We actually lived in Montreal at the same time in like the early 90s. Okay. And Blinker the Star was around back then, so I remember him as like super, super cool Jordan. Yeah. And really only got to know him. Actually, I ran into him at a Queens of the Stone Age show. Oh. Probably in about 2002. Okay. At Lee's Palace, Dave Grohl was on drums. Nice. Wicked show. Yeah, I bet. Um, and we thought, okay, let's do some writing together. But, I mean, the, that, the fact of the matter is I was a huge fan. And that album, August Everywhere, came out in 1999. Mm -hmm. um, he was on Geffen. Like, he was a big signing in, really? in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, that song, it was a single. Uh, and I think... You know, a lot of people fell in love with it, but it just, he never blew up, I guess, the way that, you know, anyone had hoped. But, I mean, talk about, like, just Beach Boys and j just oh. drawing inspiration from all these incredible songwriters yes. and turning them into, again, I've used this word a lot, but masterpieces. This mm -hmm. song, to me, is like, it's one of the most special pieces of music. Yep. And this was, uh, this the album August Everywhere was a Joy Drop tour bus listen oh, for nice. all of us like we were all just so blown away and, and yeah. inspired by it it's incredible yeah um and this came i think later in their career didn't it well he yeah he had been like this was 99 so they'd already a bourgeois kitten was already out and maybe yeah. one more like he'd been making music for a long time yeah what i know about them is that they were coming up and they were touted to be a huge band mm. and then i think they signed i didn't know they signed with geffen they signed an american deal yeah i'm pretty sure it was geffen and something happened and they kind of teetered a little bit. And then this record came out, I think. Um, and then nothing really came of it. Yeah. Sadly. I mean, I that's mean, the story, right? Like, it's so hard to break. Yeah. You know, and there's so many great songs out there and so many great musicians out there. But for sure, there's a fan base that, that knows, like, the breadth of his. Oh, yeah. And depth of his work. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah, he's a genius. Yeah. Don't throw that around lightly. He, like, he's a genius, for sure. Yeah. And he worked on your newest record. Yeah, well, my newest record from 2007. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool. I mean, his, um, it was neat to just, you know, we kind of, I would go up, you know, every month. I'd spend a weekend in Pembroke. We'd kind of just bang out whatever we could. And, yep. you know, it took us like four years really to get the record done. Yeah. But it was amazing. It's an incredible song. I yeah. love it. That cello at the end is just like super That's uplifting. Eh? Insane. Yeah. Okay, so you have one more. We're blowing through these, by the way. Oh, good. Am you, I not saying enough? I don't know. It's kind of weird. How many songs have we gone through? I don't 11? know. 11. Did, what, I, don't, I have another one? So you sent me 11, and then you sent me one more at like 1230 at night. Oh, I must have been drunk. <laughs> I think you were. It just said your message was hollow notes. One on one. Oh God! See, I totally <laughs> forgot that I said that. Really? Yeah. So that's your next song. That's so funny. 
Okay, well, I really love Hall and Oates. <laughs> um, you know, that's, yeah, that one is, they have a lot of special songs, yeah. you know, in terms of just bite-sized pop, uh, radio-friendly, just yeah. gorgeous. But, I mean, I'll just, my little tangent about them is actually Jordan Zadarozny introduced me to early Hall and Oates, which yeah. I really wasn't that familiar with, no, like no. stuff that David Foster did with them. and. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, so I kind of understood beyond what I'd heard on the radio what a body of work they had, and mm-hmm. what a what a singer Daryl Hall oh, yeah. is. Yeah, but but one on one is the one that gets me every time. Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I can't explain it. I have I have no uh, great soliloquy about it. I just it's it's just his it's his performance. I mean it's a it's a perfectly crafted song too. Yeah. But it's just. I saw them last year with Tears for Fears. Oh, how was actually. that? They were good. They jam a lot, which I was kind of, I, I didn't like it as much. Mm, like, yeah. But, but they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're underestimated, in my opinion. They're underrated so as a great kind of blue-eyed soul group. So, you know, you think about Maneater and all the 80s stuff, or late 70s stuff, I guess. But, like, before that, they had songs like She's Gone. Oh, yeah. Which is incredible, right? They, they almost had two careers. They had like the Hall and Oates that most people know, but they have a lot of stuff in behind that's really, really incredible. Yeah, it's worth a listen. It's worth yeah. a listen. And what is, does Daryl Hall do something in his house now? Yes, live from Daryl's house. Yeah. I think you have to pay for it now. It was, it's like a web series. So he, yeah. he'll like sit with whomever, like anybody, right? The biggest, like Todd Rundgren, for instance. Yeah. Um, and do some of Todd's stuff and do some. Of Daryl's stuff and yeah. just and talk and yeah, it's a really cool web series. Yes, he's an amazing musician. That's yeah. <laughs> so funny. I totally didn't remember that. I did oh, really? That. So I was I, I was laying there. I'd just gone to bed and I heard and I look and it's a message from you and it says Hall and Oates one on one and I'm like, okay, we can do two episodes <laughs> if you want. <laughs> and that's another one that I uh, I I like to sing sometimes. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you sing it that night after a couple drinks? <laughs> I don't remember. That's, God, that's pathetic. No, it's not. Why is it pathetic? It's funny. Because no, I'm not like super smashed all the time. I don't know. I just forget stuff. I'm old. That's the problem. <laughs> Whatever. Seriously. <laughs> the old mind is going. No. So I'll I'll look forward to getting like your next playlist just in like <laughs> ones at like four in the morning. Whatever you send me. That's next. funny because the one I actually have on my list list is not that song. So I don't. Even, th- oh. That must have been just like a on a whim. What is like, it? The other one it was maybe I'm amazed. Oh, by Paul McCartney. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah. You read Broken. Yeah. Um, it was on my playlist. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, this show is developed from that book, basically. Me and my buddy talking about the music that makes you feel something. Yeah. And you know, my first pick was Paul McCartney's "Maybe I'm Amazed" because it's that 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 vocal makes me crazy every time I hear it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's so many, there's so many, but I can live with this list. So here's what we're gonna do then. If there's so many, let's do another one. <laughs> okay. Okay. When you have a minute, let me know, and we'll cover the next twelve. <laughs> Good. Right. Yeah. Are you sure I didn't? Like, did I say enough? You said, yeah, definitely you did. I actually thought that it was going to go longer, but I, th- I feel like you did. Okay, good. Yeah, and I even talked a little bit, too. Cool. So it all worked out. <laughs> but we'll do another one. If you welcome back any time. Hey, thank you. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks. I enjoyed me. the chat. It was fantastic. Yeah, likewise.
All right, Tara, thank you very much. Tara, it's Tara, not Tara. I don't correct anybody anymore. I know you're very I gracious in doing that. I used to be young and indignant, but now. Did you actually say, it's Tara? Sometimes, yes. Really? Yeah. I could see that. It's kind of a tough one, though, because when you read it, you. Yeah. It's like data and data. My name is actually Tara. Like, my parents call me Tara, Tara. but nobody can say that. So Tara. I just go by Tara. So mm, Tara. Any number of things. Tara. T. Tara. T. Just T. T it is. All right, T, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, this has been No Sleep Till Somebody with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, T. <laughs> All right, take good care, folks. Till next time. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 